This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. Always nice listening to Black and Abdallah Sunday mornings, getting you going from 8 until 10 every Sunday morning. Well, at least until the NFL starts and college football starts. I think college football is just a week away. I think they were all excited as they were walking out of here between uh, the English Premier League going and also uh, college football. Um, yeah, lots to uh, talk about. We've got baseball to talk about. We'll get into it in a little bit. 312-332-3776. The Cubs have left Pittsburgh, but they have not left Pennsylvania. They are in Williamsport, Pennsylvania for the Little League Classic later on this evening, 6-10 this evening, as the Cubs... We'll have a bunch of little leaguers watching them. So no mental mistakes, okay? The Cubs and the Pirates will watch the little leaguers earlier today during the day. And at night, the little leaguers and their families will watch the Cubs and the Pirates. And we'll see if the Cubs can come away with a winning road series. Again, still waiting since May. They've not had one. And you thought this was the road trip they would get one. Maybe in Cincinnati. That's always tough with a four-game series. They split that two and two. They lose all three to Philadelphia. Lose the opener to Pittsburgh. And they win last night. And or actually yesterday afternoon. They played an afternoon game because the Steelers played last night. And PNC and the Steelers Stadium right next to each other. So um, they can't play at the same time. Parking, traffic, all that kind of stuff. So yesterday, it was an interesting John Lester game. We'll talk about that. And if you watched the White Sox game last night, and what do you know? I watched the White Sox game last night, and I was able to watch it with the sound on for most of the game. And uh, enjoyed it completely. And we'll get into that, too, because we were going back and forth, and I had many people calling me, hey, old man, get off my lawn, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I did not think the Bill Walton idea was a good one. And I'll explain what my thoughts were behind that. Now, then I will then explain why last night was very, very enjoyable. We'll take your calls. If you listened to the Bill Walton game last night, you listened last night. And tonight there's a Saturday Night Live alum. I can't remember his name. That's going to be on this evening uh, or for today's game. So uh, Jason Benetti has yet another guy in the booth. My biggest question, and I actually sent the message to NBC Sports Chicago last night. I said, listen, having another guy in the booth with Benetti, fine. You do guys do whatever you want to do. But don't keep taking room away from my screen. I got a big screen for a reason. So I can see the game in big screen. Why do I have to see Jason Benetti talking to Michael Schur last night? There's no reason for us to see them talking. It's, you you know, he talks to Steve Stone all the time. You don't put it in the inset in the TV. Why are you doing that? NBC Sports Chicago, you do so many good things. 
and then you do something like that. But anyway. Mike three, O'Brien is the guy from SNL that will Mike be... Mike O'Brien? Yes, that will be with Benetti tonight. Okay, do you know Mike O'Brien? I'm um, not very... He's not one of the big guys from SNL, but... Okay. Uh, nope. Hopefully he knows baseball, because Michael sure did last night. He sure did. Ooh. And... Um, that was actually very, very good. Very fun listening. He actually brought up one point, which which I thought was cool. He said, when is a ball lined to right field as opposed to being served out to right field? And uh, it was interesting. Made you think. That's what baseball broadcasters are supposed to do. We'll talk a little bit more about baseball and baseball broadcasts and maybe the wave that they are going and the way they are going in the future. What Benetti did with, with Walton from what I understand, and last night is kind of the way it's going to go, especially TV broadcast, in my opinion. So we'll talk about that, too. Uh, we'll get into uh, the White Sox, uh, Eloy Jimenez. And again, Murph and I, we are the only guys, it seems, that call him Eloy because we listened to him when he drove with Chuck Garfine to Wrigley Field, and he was telling a story about when he got a phone call, and he said, Hello, Eloy. So we call him Eloy because he said his own name, but they don't call him that uh, on the White Sox broadcast. So, again, just little things get me aggravated. But, you know, of course, if you listen to me at all, you know what uh, that that happens quite often. Let's talk Cubs three and six so far in this 10 game road trip. They are tied with St. Louis for first in the National League Central after the Cardinals lost yesterday. The Cubs get the win. Milwaukee is a game back. That was a wild Brewers game against the Nationals. Two teams battling for playoff spots. The one thing about, I'm watching the game yesterday and for a change, it was the other team that was leaving runners like crazy on base. The Pittsburgh Pirates had the bases loaded a couple times. Couldn't score, obviously. Cubs win two to nothing. The Pirates were 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Okay, with runners in scoring position, 0 for 12. Couldn't get a hit. And they had numerous opportunities against John Lester yesterday. Lester, for the game, he went six innings, allowed just four hits, but he walked five. Struck out three, 103 pitches. He gets the win, his first in a month. He is now 10 and 8, a much-needed Cubs victory. As they did get just two runs, the only one they really needed was this one. Against Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. And a drive to deep left. It is gone! Cubs lead one to nothing. Redemption for Bryant, who had committed two errors earlier. Yeah, throw away those goat horns and maybe a hero. KB goes deep and the Cubs take the lead. The Pirates have had all these chances, have not been able to break through. And Chris Bryant delivers his 25th long ball of the year. Highlights courtesy ABC7. Len Casper, Jim Deshays on the call. And yeah, Bryant, it was a first pitch of the bat, too. He came up. Uh, Stephen Brault was pitching very, very well in the game yesterday. Brault, for the game, seven innings, allowed just the run on two hits. He struck out eight. He was mowing him down. And uh, he gives up the home run to Chris Bryant, put it in the left field stands. And that was basically it. The other run scored for the Cubs on a catcher throwing error. Ian Happ coming around and uh, scoring in that one. Happ was one for three. So the Cubs get a 2 nothing victory. They are still not hitting. They had five hits two nights ago. They had four hits yesterday. The ball game yesterday, if you're watching it, it was a snappier ball game. At least I did not see, hear the time. I'm looking at it. You would think, oh, two hours and 45 minutes. It seemed like, like it was less. 
to the Pirates, it seemed like more because they couldn't get guys in. But there were not guys on base. There were eight total hits in the game. There were several walks, as I mentioned. Lester walked five. Chatwood came in, pitched two innings of uh, hitless relief. That was good. He got a hold. And Wick came in, got a save. Um a hitless ninth as the Cubs get the victory. But the Cubs are still not hitting the ball. And I'm sitting there, and I broke it down as I was sitting upstairs listening to Black and Abdallah. On this road trip where they are 3-6, and six, Javi Baez 4 for 29 with no homers. That's a 138 average. Jason Hayward 3 for 23, no homers, a 130 average. Anthony Rizzo actually 7 for 28, one homer. He's hitting 250. Albert Almora, I didn't even come up with his because they set him down, so he wasn't hitting. Happ is actually hitting 240. He's got a couple of homers, nine strikeouts. Now, they do have Castellanos with four homers on the trip, 11 for 36 and 306 average. Bryant, 10 for 33, three homers and 303. But for the most part, the top of the order not hitting. Uh, the night before, I think the top of the order when they had five hits went two for 24, 25, something like that. The Cubs are not hitting the ball, and it seems like the only place they hit is at Wrigley Field. The upcoming series for the Cubs is not going to be easy either. They have two series coming up. Once they finish the Little League Classic tonight, they have a day off. They've had like three straight Mondays off, so we can't say they're tired. They That's an excuse that was used before. Can't use it now, okay? They've had like three straight Mondays off. They get the Giants coming to town. The Giants have won six of seven. They're battling for a playoff spot out of, you know, nobody expecting them to be where they are right now. The Giants are two games over 500. They're 63 and 61. They are just two and a half games out of the wild card spot, which right now is held by the Cubs because technically, even though the Cubs share first place with St. Louis, St. Louis is a 529 percentage. The Cubs are 528. So, um, technically the Cubs are behind St. Louis. So the Cubs are the second wild card team right now. Milwaukee and Philadelphia one game back and the Mets two games back, the Giants two and a half back. After the Giants are at Wrigley Field for three games, the Washington Nationals come to town. The Washington Nationals are the first wild card team right now. They're 10 games over 500. They have a better record than the Cubs do. They're 66 and 56. The Cubs are 65 and 58. So it's coming home for the Cubs for a six-game homestand, but it does not look like it's going to be an easy one. Now, the other night, it surprised me a little bit. Friday night, after getting swept in Philadelphia, before losing to Pittsburgh in the opener, General Manager Jed Hoyer was nice enough to talk to the gathered media in Pittsburgh. And he said these comments, which were... Very, very interesting to me. And he was very, very honest. And basically said, hey, we don't deserve to be in first place. As I was regaining perspective on my walk, I was thinking, you know, we are in first place. We don't deserve to be based on how, how we played. Um, if we were in any other division, we'd be seven back at least. Um, but we're tied. I mean, and that's, you know, we should look at that as an incredible opportunity that... Um, we've had all these road struggles all year. We're 15 under on the road, and yet somehow we wake up this morning in first place with, with, with a chance to, you know, win the 41 game sprint to the end. Um, but we can't keep having this conversation over and over. It, it, we, we keep on playing well at home, having that conversation, then go on the road, kind of knock, you know, give up whatever lead we have, get knocked back down. Like 
If we continue that cycle, we're going to end up disappointed. There's no doubt about it. You've got to start winning some games on the road. Uh, I guess technically you don't if St. Louis loses and Milwaukee loses. But the next Cubs road trip is a short one. They have a three-game series in New York the final week of August. Then in September, they have a four-gamer in Milwaukee and a four-gamer in San Diego. Padres are not nearly as tough now that Fernando Tatis Jr. is out for the rest of the year. Then the Cubs are home for a week and a half. Pittsburgh at home, Cincinnati a three-gamer, St. Louis a four-gamer before they end the season with a six-game road trip to Pittsburgh and to St. Louis. So the Cubs road woes, see if they can win their fourth, make it a four-and-six road trip before coming home and playing San Francisco and also the Washington Nationals. 312-332-3776. You want to jump in, talk some Cubs baseball. We're going to talk about the White Sox and the broadcast the last couple days in just a second. First, let's go on out to Rolling Meadows. Our guy, John. Hey, John, what's happening? Hey, you know, this whole thing with the Cubs, like I was telling your producer, pretty much at this time of the year, you know, you are what you are at home and on the road. The Cubs win on the road. They're not going to be a 500 team on the road. If you're, you're fooling yourself if you think they are. They're, they're pretty much going to be what they are. Um, but you got, like you just said, they got the Giants coming in. They got Washington coming in. And then I, I guess they have to go to New York yet. Yeah. And, and they still have to play St. Louis, the final three games of the season in St. Louis. I mean, if it's going to come down between the Cardinals, you know, and the Cubs, and they continue to be tied or within a couple of games, they better figure out how to win on the road because that final three-game series could cost them the playoffs with that, the Cardinals. You know, and that could be a really interesting series, John. And I don't. Do you think it's going to come down to those final three games? Because the way they've been playing, neither team uh, really gets on hot streaks. Um, you know, St. Louis think, did win five in a row. But... Be, I think it will come down to those three games because the Brewers can't figure out their pitching staff, so yeah. they're going to hang around. But the Cardinals are like the Cubs. They play real well at home. They both kind of stink on the road. So if that continues, then I'm sure it will come down probably to those three games. And like I told your producer, they're lucky they are where they are because if they were either if they were anywhere else in baseball, they'd be done. Yeah, John, appreciate the call. Jed Hoyer said the same thing. He said any other division, we're seven games out. So we're fortunate to be where we are. Uh, the Cardinals, you're right. The Brewers, I don't, the Brewers really, their pitching staff has let them down. Their bullpen, Josh Hader, a lot of homers he's given up, uh, this season. Last night, the Brewers win a game that goes 14 innings. They hit seven home runs. Uh, Yelich hit a couple. He's breaking out of his slump after coming back from the bad back. He had, um, I think we had five hits. And, um, so yesterday the Brewers win a late game as they knocked off the Nationals. But, I'm not as concerned as about Milwaukee. Now, the Cubs will be concerned when they have a four-gamer up there. And uh, you've got three here uh, at Wrigley Field, August 30th to 31st and September 1st. And then at the end of that week, from September 5th through the 8th, the Cubs go to Milwaukee for a four-game series. So they're going to worry about them and then worry about St. Louis. But right now it's Pittsburgh. And um, it's nice to have Jose Quintana on the hill tonight. We'll talk more with Jesse at 11 o'clock. But Quintana, has, he's 6-0 in his last eight starts. 
He's been the most consistent pitcher. For a while, you said, well, Hamels is coming back. This will be good. He's gotten rocked in his last two games. And Hendricks gets beat the other day. And, you know, Lester gets his first win in a month. For the longest time, it was a pitching staff. Darvish just pitched well but got no run support. So they got to try and put it all together here in these final 40-some games of the rest of the season. 312-332-3776. Now, I was taking a lot of guff from White Sox fans and just Bill Walton fans, my producer included, Eric Ostrowski, who could not wait to hear Bill Walton on the uh, broadcast the other day. I know I saw as soon as it was announced, Eric was all excited. I was, and, yeah. and I enjoyed it as well. You went out and got your tie-dye shirts. Probably probably have some in your I closet I do have already. some, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. And um, so you wore your tie-dye, and I'm sure the, the White Sox next homestand, they're going to be selling tie-dye shirts if they haven't sold them already. Um, but here, for, those, for some of the people who did not have the sound on or didn't hear Bill Walton, and I'm one of those, I did not have the sound on. I had the mute on because I don't need to hear from a guy who doesn't know the game of baseball just cheerleading. And that's basically what you got. Here's some of Bill Walton along with Jason Benetti from the White Sox game on Friday night. Come on, Lucas. Here we go. Your uncle's here. The city of Chicago riding on your broad shoulders. Come on. Figure yes. out a way. There's base We're hit. on our way. That's your guy, Prince James the Banner. Is that the catcher? It is. I tell you, I'm not a very good catcher. I'm much better at getting high than getting low. Eloy Jimenez oh. to right field. Come on, man. Move. Drop it. Drop it. Oh, man. Eloy Jimenez. Eloy. Yeah. Is that a, a knockoff of alloy? Of like putting like all aluminum? The, putting all the powers together of the rare earth minerals? And you just come up with this incredible computer-generated stud for the future? Basically, you've described that man in 74, yeah. Alloy. Alloy. Uh Oh, that's outside. Good eye, good patience, good discipline. Way to hold back. Don't get suckered in on that nonsense. Did you tell that pitcher to bring it right in here, and we'll go man-to-man right now and see who's got power, see who's got heat? Oh, okay. And those are the highlights um, from the broadcast <laughs> the other day. Um, I don't feel I missed anything, uh, except I, I probably was not nearly as aggravated as I would have been if I was listening. I like people doing a broadcast that actually know the game and are going to add something to it. How many times have people that wanted to hear Bill Walton, how many times have those same people complained about a celebrity or somebody in the broadcast booth with Lennon JD when they have to talk to an actor or a musician or something like that. They say, come on, you're ignoring the game. You're not doing this. And then I would get people who kept telling me, well, you know what? They're The White Sox are 15 games out and 18 games out and they're irrelevant. Okay, first of all, you're not irrelevant. Your favorite team is not irrelevant. Okay, no matter what it is, if you're going to stay up to watch a West Coast game, your team is not irrelevant. Okay? Last night, Michael Schur, who was on, and I have not seen, I can honestly say I've not seen one episode of any of his shows. Office Space, Parks no. and Rec. Yeah, the office. Um, the uh, office. I said office. The office, space, the Parks office. and Rec, are the good place. Now I want to see the good place. It's good. Yeah, I want to <laughs> see the good place, and I'm probably going to go and and uh, binge that. But I have not seen one episode of any of these. He's a TV producer, writer, 
actor. He's also, he was a media critic, basically focusing on baseball broadcasts for a blog called Fire Joe Morgan. He explained last night, um, that was just a name they came up with. They actually started feeling bad um, that everybody thought that they were actually, they said, we actually kind of like Joe Morgan. It's, you know, a great second baseman. But Michael Schur, who did the game last night with Jason Benetti, knows the game. He was talking about certain things. He had some fun. He said, well, this is going to be, the, uh, this is one big pitch coming up. And then it was fouled back. He goes, well, this one coming up now is one big pitch. And, you know, he had some fun stuff. It was great because he knew the game. They were talking about Carl Yastrzemski's grandson with three home runs. And he said, I remember watching Carl Yastrzemski, this, this, this. I love having guys in the booth that know the game. And, Eric, I, I think, I don't know if I've ever have talked to you about this, but I think TV broadcast, Hawk Harrelson used to get, I can't say the word I want to say, but um, people were all over Hawk because there were times he wouldn't say anything. It's a TV broadcast. You don't have to say there's a ground ball to second base over to first. Oh, and he gets him by a step. You can see that. And I feel that baseball TV broadcasts are going to become more of a talk show with the game going on in the background. And that's basically what last night was with Benetti and Michael Schur. Now, Walt, the game with Walton apparently probably came into the same thing. But Walton a tried to figure out what happened. A little bit of a different type. Of, more more right. of a comedy hour type thing. And I feel like the uh, Sunday night baseball crew with like Mendoza and A-Rod, they yeah. kind of, and David Ross sometimes, right. when they, they kind of try to do the same thing where they're talking baseball, but they're more just talking topics of baseball as opposed to what's going on on the field. Right. I like that. That's nice and all, but I, I agree. I don't, I think a lot of times the announcers should step back and let, let the sound of the game like stand out. Like you were saying how yeah. Hawk does that. Like it doesn't, every call, especially like big home run call, say the home run and then let the crowd like carry you. Well, there were times when the opposition would hit a homer against the White Sox and people would say Hawk didn't even say a word. <laughs> okay. It's TV and you know Hawk's a homer and you know that it was a home run for a guy in the Royals. So what's he supposed to say? Sometimes you don't have to say it's gone. Moans are enough. You yeah. Know? You don't have to say it's gone. Now, the John Cruck call on radio the other day, he's a color commentator. So that was, was radio or TV? It was TV. It John was Cruck. NBC Philly. Okay. Yeah. So it's John Cruck, that's TV. And John Cruck's reaction to Harper's home run was amazing because he just reacted to it. You could see it. And then the play-by-play guy still said, that one's deep. That's way better. You know, whatever. You could see it the moment he hit it, especially with Jason Hayward already running in from right field before the ball came close to hitting the stands, that the ball was gone, the game was over. I have that. Uh, you want to hear it real quick? Yeah. It's a good call. It's a great call. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Brad Slam, Bryce Harper. Now, see, that call by the play-by-play guy was descriptive enough to be a radio call. So what are your thoughts if you're, uh, obviously, if you consume baseball on TV, you can tell me what you thought of Walton or what you thought of Michael Sherlatt yesterday or this whole idea of the White Sox putting somebody else in the booth with Benetti when Steve Stone's not there. But what are your thoughts about maybe it becoming more of a talk show? With a game going on and reacting to what's happening on the field as opposed to a regular play-by-play guy and a color commentator guy. 312-332-3776. We'll get into a little bit of football coming up. we got Jesse at the top of the hour. We've got 
Also, some highlights from around Major League Baseball and the Chicago Fire needed a win last night and they got it. We'll talk about that before we're out here at noon right here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Baez will pick it up. Cubs win. Cubs win a combined four-hit shutout. Lester the winner. Wick gets the save. Honorable mention goes to Tyler Chatwood. He was excellent. And Chris Bryant with the game-winning home run in the seventh. That's the final call from ABC7. The Cubs get a win yesterday. Much-needed victory snap at a four-game losing streak. Two to nothing. It's interesting. Len Casper on the call saying a four-hit shutout. The Cubs only had four hits also. The Cubs had a home run from Bryant. And you had hits from Russell, Hap, and Lucroy. That was it. Uh, Hayward 0 for 4. Castellanos 0 for 4. Rizzo 0 for 2 with a walk. Baez 0 for 4. Russell um, 1 for 4. Uh, yeah. They need to start hitting the ball. John Lester gets the win, his first in the month. Finally, I got out of my hard-headedness and you know, as far as challenging guys and um, you know, falling behind counts and, and kind of giving in. You know, I, I feel like that's really bit me in the rear end this year as far as, you know, still thinking that I can throw my heater you know, by guys. So today, I was, especially with the way Brault was throwing, I knew that, you know, we had to... Regardless of the base runners, I knew that I just couldn't give in and, and you know, throw a heater. Um, so that kind of explains the, the five walks a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He walked five. He gave up a couple hits, and uh, the Pirates could not get that big hit. 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Joe Madden getting uh, a win with his team as they needed it, as I mentioned. Uh, now just three and six on the road trip. Johnny typically is able to pitch out of some really – horrible jams, uh, and he did. Uh, KB, in spite of making a couple mistakes, comes back with a big home. So we took advantage of one error on their part. Uh, we had opportunities, and so the day was a pretty balanced effort and lack of scoring runs. I mean, either the team could push it across. Um, their pitcher, Balt, has really reinvented himself. He's a great athlete. And Johnny, after some tough moments, uh, showed, showed his what he's made of. I got to be honest. The Cubs won the game 2 nothing. It was an awful game. There were eight combined hits, four for each team. Nobody could get uh, hits with runners in scoring position. The Cubs get a solo home run and they score a run out of an error. And uh, the Pirates leave you know, a million runners on base and over 12 with runners in scoring position. It was not a good game. The Cubs need to start hitting the ball. They need to get pitching. Quintana, as I mentioned today, uh, at the minor league ballpark in Williamsport where they're playing in the Little League Classic. And, uh, we'll see how things go for the Northsiders. Jesse will join us at the top of the hour. He is watching now, uh, Mexico and Japan, I think, as, uh, with the rest of them, the rest of the players as they're watching, uh, the Little League games in, uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's going to be an interesting atmosphere later on tonight, uh, when this does take place. The, um, there's a couple of things with this Little League um, Classic that I wasn't sure of, didn't know about. The game is played for the third year in a row uh, at BB&T Ballpark. Of course, everything's got to be sponsored. At historic Bowman Field in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of the Phillies Class A short season Williamsport affiliate. Um, 
for those who don't know, a short season, usually after the draft, they have what they call as a short season after they get the guys together, have a quick little camp, and they play a really short baseball season to get the guys involved. Um, the ballpark opened in 1926, the second oldest minor league park in the United States, renovated uh, in 2017. Both clubs will ride with their Little League counterparts to the Little League World Series site, spend hours watching games, sitting in the stands, hanging out, visiting the Grove, the area where the Little Leaguers stay and uh, relax during the downtime, and then they'll flip rolls. The Little Leaguers will attend the Major League game tonight. So, uh, Jesse will give us a little more information about how this is right now and uh, when he joins us at the top of the hour. We do have some sad news to pass along for those who are not on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, you probably know already. But former Bear and Texas Longhorn running back, the uh, fourth overall pick in the 2005 draft, uh, Cedric Benson has been killed in a motorcycle accident in West Austin, Texas. Uh, happened last night. He was just 36 years old and uh, passes away. So some sad news today to report uh, for a former Chicago Bear. Hey, ESPN and the ACC bring you the ACC Network coming in four days where the conference's 15 championship winning programs will call home. Irish fans get ACCN with DirecTV, Hulu, PlayStation View, and YouTube TV. Visit getaccn.com to see if your provider will carry the ACCN. If you don't see yours listed, contact them today to demand it. 312-332-3776. We'll get into more baseball top of the hour. You want to jump on in, we will talk to you about that. The Chicago, at this time of year, after two preseason football games, usually I'd be talking a lot about, um, you know, Will this guy make the team? Will this guy make the team? Uh, what is it that we're really concerned about going forward with this team? Are they going to be able to improve on what they did last year? Um, the Bears were 12 and four last year. Okay. One of my questions for Bears fans out there, and I don't know how you feel, and I know this is, this goes completely against everything the sports talk radio is involved in, but is there anything worth talking about? with the Chicago Bears before the regular season starts. Kickers, it's going to play out. It's going to be what it's going to be. Tight ends, well, if Burton can play, that'll be fine. Adam Sheehan will be out there. Mitch, everyone, I, I heard Abdallah and Black breaking down, well, Mitch had 12 interceptions. He could have had 16. They dropped. It doesn't matter going forward. It's all a new season. Everything's new. Earlier in the week, Jimmy Garoppolo threw five interceptions in practice. It's practice. I said earlier this week with Yurko, all of a sudden I turned into Allen Iverson. Or actually, I was with Mike North on uh, the Odds Couple. It's practice. And Metallica put it better. And nothing else matters. It's practice. We're getting all hopped up and excited over what? A guy makes a nice catch in practice. Mitchell Trubisky has one good practice. I know that the football writers and the guys that cover the games and JD and the guys from the Athletic and the Sun-Times and the Tribune, they have to find stuff to write about. Mark Potash will write about stuff today. I was reading their articles today. Uh, Patrick Finley, Kevin Fishbane, who we hit on yesterday uh, with, uh, you know, 
it's like, I actually had him on with uh, Yurko on Friday. All the days kind of run together. But the Bears play their third preseason game next Saturday against Indianapolis. And none of it matters right now. Does it matter that Elliott Fry missed a field goal? Eh, I don't know. If he kicks three and Eddie Pinheiro misses one, I don't know. Is it going to matter? Nothing matters until September 5th, Thursday night at Soldier Field against the Green Bay Packers. That's when it matters. The rest of it is all predictions. I'm not sure how you guys all feel about preseason NFL talk. Um, is it too hyped? How much do you put into preseason predictions? Everybody makes them. I know that ESPN NFL Nation, all of the ESPN NFL Nation writers need to make predictions. And I always try to stay away from predictions. I've always enjoyed this business reacting to what happens on the field, what happens on the ice, what happens on the pitch, what happens anywhere on the diamond. And reacting to that as opposed to predicting what it is. Because predictions are worth nothing. Predictions don't mean a darn thing. Predictions seem to be just like filler. Okay? If it's fantasy football, that, to be honest with you, fantasy football at this time makes more sense than trying to predict what the Lions are going to do this year. Who you're going to take in fantasy football and who you think might have a better season it makes more sense than, are the Bears going to be able to be as good as they were last year with a 12-4 and record? Let's break down the schedule. How about this? I heard earlier this week, Sal Pal was on with Carmen and Yurko. He said, boy, the Bears could start 7-1 and before they play Philadelphia. I see him going 11-5. and That don't mean anything. It's one guy's opinion. How much do you put into NFL preseason predictions? Or can you not get enough of them? Maybe I'm the one. Maybe I'm the oddest step, Charlie. I know, usually it's Murph. He's sitting in this chair on Saturdays. But maybe me sitting in this chair on Sunday morning. Maybe I'm the oddest step, Charlie. Maybe you guys want to hear nothing but predictions. How's this going to happen? Is Mitch going to be better? Uh, is Mitch not going to be better? Will, you know, Tariq Cohen get more balls this year? Will he get less balls this year? It doesn't matter until the season starts. Then we'll break it down for you right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. We got Jesse Rogers, top of the hour. Also, go around baseball, look at some of the highlights from last night, and also where the standings are and wild card before the action starts today. And then we got some Chicago Fire stuff coming up around 1145. Um, Ian Brown, who is a uh, baseball writer for MLB, reports that Chris Sale has an appointment to see Dr. James Andrews in Pensacola, Florida, on Monday. That's usually not a good thing. Right, Eric? <laughs> Dr. James Andrews like the Grim Reaper. Like, any yeah. injury, if you see he's going to, if someone's going to see him, you're like, uh-oh, he's, he's yeah. the one. Usually not a good thing. So it has not worked out well for Chris Sale and the uh, Boston Red Sox this season. Uh, after last year, the Red Sox right now are, uh, 66 and 59, 17 games back of the New York Yankees. And in the wild card standings, and I know I said I'll do this again later in the show, but in the wild card standings, Boston is six and a half back, uh, 
Cleveland and the Rays are the wildcard teams right now. The Oakland A's just a half game back. So some more bad news for Boston. It is so hard to repeat in baseball. And uh, the Cubs and the Cubs fans realizing that after winning in 2016. Before we went to break, we were talking about football. And I was talking about how, and I don't know when this struck me, maybe last year a little bit, this year a lot more. But when a team is building a football team, there's a lot more to talk about, a lot more interest. Right now, you want to get excited about the Bears, but it's hard to get excited by anything you see in preseason games. I mean, James Vauders the other day with uh, taking the ball away from the quarterback and also putting some pressure on the QB and leading to an interception that Clifton Duck uh, got late in the contest. Uh, that was nice to see. Three hours and you saw like two nice plays. Um, you know, Chase Daniel hitting Javon Wims. Wims is showing us what he showed us last year that he's ready to play in this league apparently. And, you know, the question is, will he play? We don't know. We'll find out. Uh, Matt Nagy talked about starters not playing. So my biggest thing is I'm trying to do what's best for the Chicago Bears and every team is different. And that's, that's okay. You know, all teams are different. Each, uh, each coach has their own plan with their own team as far as where they're at depth wise. We love where we're at right now in regards to our starters. We feel really good about it. And, um, we're able to say that for us to be able to have a, for instance, the other night having a controlled, um, scrimmage, uh, playing a, a full, a full, uh, a full game for our, our starters was good. It was good for them. And so that's our, that's our role. And then on top of that, it gives us a chance to be able to, um, check out the depth of our backups and then see where they're developing. But overall, I think every team's different and, but we're just trying to do what's best for us. Yeah. And, and it worked last year. I mean, nobody played last year in preseason. We're not going to see any more Mitch, I doubt. Uh, we did not see Kyle Long. And uh, I thought Kyle Long is well-beloved by media people. And because of that, I think he got a break in what he did this week. Kyle Long got into a fight with a rookie lineman, ripped off his helmet, and then swung the helmet at the guy. That's, I mean, that's grounds. You could be arrested for that, okay? You can't do that on the street. I guess there's a lot of stuff in football you can't do on the street. But Nagy, talk about long not playing or traveling. Again, just like, like I said to, to you guys before, you know, we're going to keep the details of that, you know, internal. Um, but it's uh, what I mentioned the other day is we want to make sure that we handle these type of situations the right way. And, and we, we had, you know, a discussion. And so we felt like, uh, you know, that was the right thing to do. Just I, I, I really don't want to uh, get in. I mean, it was it's handled. It's it's. Uh, uh, Kyle's handled it, we've handled it, and we have a plan going forward. For punishment, he should have made him play. Jesse Rogers next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day. It's Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. And a drive to deep left. It is gone! Cubs lead one to nothing. Redemption for Bryant, who had committed two errors earlier. Yeah, throw away those goat horns and maybe a hero. KB goes deep and the Cubs take the lead. The Pirates have had all these chances, have not been able to break through. And Chris Bryan delivers his 25th long ball of the year. They see Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. 
Well, highlights courtesy ABC7. The Cubs get a 2-0 win yesterday. They are now 3-6 and six in this 10-game road trip, and they wrap it up today. They left Pittsburgh yesterday. They are in Williamsport, Pennsylvania today. Fred Hubner with you. If you had a question for Jesse Rogers, 312-332-3776, Jesse has traveled to the Little League World Series. Jesse, I'm sure that was always your dream as a kid growing up to get to the Little League World Series. You finally got there. I kind of want to put on a uniform, uh, a wig, obviously, get some, get out there and hit a ball. My God, these fields are immaculate. It's, it's, it's just wonderful. It's awesome. I just watched uh, Team Mexico warm up to the Macarena, doing the Macarena. I mean, oh, to be a kid again, right, Fred? Very cool. Um, yeah, the Cubs are going to watch Mexico versus Japan here in one of the Little League World Series stadiums. The Pirates are watching, I think, the Midwest versus the Southeast region, something like that, in the main stadium. So I'm watching actually on the big screen here. The, the, the Cubs charter just landed, and uh, a bunch of teams are lined up to greet the players as they come off the plane. They'll bust over here. They'll do a little ceremony with, with, with a couple teams, and then they're going to watch Mexico versus Japan. But, you know, I covered nine Final Fours, and there was something innocent about that. Even, even if it's college sports, there was something innocent about it. And this is even more so, right? This is just about the game and having fun. And, yeah, it's competitive because it is the Little League World Series. But already – I'm 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 taken back to my youth, watch, watching these guys and the, and the parents watching them, and it's just it's just great. It's a great feeling, and I think the players are going to really appreciate their jobs when they come back and do this. There were there no tickets sold for this game. Is the game tonight only for the play the little league uh, players and their parents? I believe that's true, but I don't know that for a fact. I'm sure, obviously, uh, uh, Cubs personnel and right. families and stuff like that too. But I, I, I don't. You're, it's twenty five hundred, so. I'm pretty sure it's relegated to the Little League World Series and 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 and, and stuff like that. I don't know that for sure, though. I mean, obviously, it, it, what can you do? How can, how many can you really open up to the public? If exactly. You're let let the kids in, and you may as well just do it that way. So I'm pretty sure that's the case. I don't know that for sure, though. Yeah, that's that's kind of bizarre. It's going to be very very cool. It's on ESPN later on tonight uh, from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And now the Cubs don't have to worry about going in with a five game losing streak after yesterday. I know, my God, how awful would that have been to get swept in Williamsport? Now, they still need a win to win their first road series in three months, and how uh, appropriate would it be, Fred, for them to do it at a neutral site? Even though it's a road game, it is at a neutral site, so maybe, maybe they're going to get it done. I I predict the Cubs win tonight. That's just my feeling. There's no home field advantage, that's for sure, not with 2,500 fans. And if I know Cub fans, most of these kids are probably going to be Cub fans, right? Sure. I mean, that's just the way it works. It's, uh, they have fans everywhere, and uh, I imagine they're going to get mobbed when they make it over here. So they'll, they'll watch here, and then the, the actual minor league stadium they're playing at, which is regulation dimensions, that's five miles away. So they'll stay here uh, for, for the game and then bus over there, relax, take BP, obviously, play, and then fly back tonight. So they flew in from Pittsburgh this morning. They'll fly to Chicago tonight, and that's how the day will go. Uh, we'll talk about today's game in just a little bit. Yesterday, I was I was trying to say, you know, uh, Lester got out of jams and the Pirates couldn't. Then, then I finally just said it was an awful game yesterday. There were eight combined hits. The the Pirates were 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. The Cubs get the home run and they score another run on a throwing error. It was not a good game. But for Lester, getting a win, his first in a month, had to be important to him. Yeah, and the thing is, he pitches in and out of traffic all the time. So I don't, I don't take points away from his outing just because there was traffic on the base pass. 
did the runners, did any runners cross the plate? The answer is no. And that's all that matters to John Lester and the Cubs right now. When they, with them on the road, the way they've been playing, I don't think they care if they win, like last night's uh, Brewers game, 15 to 14 or two to nothing. It doesn't matter. Win ugly, win pretty, just win. They've got to gobble up some wins on the road. So they will take that game no matter how ugly it was and certainly was more ugly for the Pirates with the mistakes they made and, and, and leaving runners all over the place. I was looking at some numbers. I was going over the uh, the road trip. Uh, Baez is 4 for 29. Uh, Rizzo 7 for 28, 250. Hayward's 3 for 23. Castellanos and Bryant have 11 and 10 hits each. Happ is actually 7 for 29 with a couple of homers. But it still seems like... They're not hitting. It's, it's, you know, and I understand on this trip, Hamels got rocked. Uh, Hendricks didn't have a good game, but Darvish pitched well. Lester didn't give up any runs. Quintana's been pitching pretty well. It still comes down to what Murph and I have talked about most of the season. They just can't get consistent offense with this team, Jess. No, and Joe has said the same thing on the road. Um, the numbers are a little skewed because, like we've seen in the past, they'll put up a big run total and then, and then tank it. Which is exactly what happened in, in game one of this series, uh, of this road trip. They scored 12 against the Reds and then really didn't do a lot after that. So it's just been weird. It's been such a grind on offense on the road this season. Yesterday, another great example. Uh, basically every game of this trip, they got out to that five nothing lead against the Phillies and, 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 and stalled there. Yeah. You know, they, they stopped scoring after the fifth. So even when they put up a few runs, it, it still feels like a grind. And it certainly looks like a grind at the plate. Now, it's not easy to hit in professional baseball. But when you see the, the Brewers and Nats put up 29 runs, <laughs> you're wondering why can't the Cubs do that a little bit more often. What's weird is we know they have it in them because they have done it. 12 against the Reds in the opening game, like I said. But the, most of the time, it feels and looks like such a grind to put hits together. Um, and it's just weird because in 16 and 17, they did it. In 18 and 19, they haven't as much. You know, it's weird because you look at, and Jesse Rogers at the uh, Little League Classic at Williamsport, Pennsylvania, joining us here on ESPN 1000. You look at baseball, and a lot of times you look at matchups with teams. You go, okay, this team's coming in. It's going to be a really interesting series. The Cubs go to Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh and don't play all that well. They're coming home, and you look, and you go, well, you know, it's going to be difficult because you got the Giants and the Nationals, both teams actually competing for the wild card. But the more you look at it, the Cubs at home, it doesn't seem to matter who they're playing because the offense is going to be there. They're going to get wins. They're going to win games at home. It's just the way they are. It's so bizarre because you can't even look at a at a, a, a series and do any kind of prediction for it. Well, I guess you can in terms of uh, at home because they are dominating. Um, I mean, at this point, we kind of can predict, but we don't. We don't understand why. Right. Why are they so good at home and so bad on the road? Um, and, and they probably haven't gotten enough praise for running for opponents at home. I mean, we, we, we they're in first place because of their home record. Obviously, um, they do deserve that. The, the, the home fans deserve some credit because that that certainly can only help. Um, yeah, it's just one of those weird years. But uh, Fred. It would not shock me at all if they squeak in and then they win three games on the road in a five-game series. You know, right. it would not shock me at all. You get a clean slate, and you take advantage of that clean slate, and they could very well do that. It's not like the Braves or the 27 Yankees. They're beatable, but the Cubs have to get in first. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they got they got uh, Kinsler back the other day. He struggled when he came back. Uh, you got C-Shack, you got Kimbrell, who I guess they'll make the announcement today. Everybody reporting that he's going to be back today. 
this obviously has to help this bullpen. And they get an extra guy today, too, don't they? Yeah, it, it absolutely has to help this bullpen because it just seems like Joe can only point to a couple guys down there with, with you know, over the recent stretch. But he needs to give Chatwood more work. He needs to give Phelps yep. more work. He doesn't – this is what – he doesn't have the luxury to wait and find out if these guys are good enough. The, the fact of the matter is they've pitched well lately. And a guy like Phelps, run that out, run that a little bit. Let's see what that can bring you. You don't have the luxury to wait. So Chatwood's got to get a bigger role. Phelps has to get a bigger role and, and move on from there. Lester said it after yesterday's game. They've got to find ways. Chatwood is a weapon right now. It's not, it, I'm not talking about, you know, bring him in bases loaded, nobody out, because he's got no margin to, to hit a guy or walk a guy. But you've got to find moments, big moments for him with a little bit of a margin for error. Like yesterday, he had two men on, he hit a guy. Okay, the bases were loaded, nobody scored on him. He got the next guy out. I mean, if he's got to walk a tightrope, he's got to walk a tightrope. So getting healthy is going to help Joe point to a few other guys, but he needs to include some new guys into a circle of trust. And I, I include Chatwood almost in that sense because Chatwood all season has been underused. And I think he's proven enough to Joe to use him in bigger moments more often. The one thing with Chatwood, he did go two innings yesterday. He threw 23 pitches. Does that mean he's not available today? He'll rest tomorrow and then be ready again on, on Tuesday? Yeah, and that's the problem with, with, with the, the way they have used Chatwood. The fact that he can go multiple innings, doesn't mean he has to go multiple innings. In other words, <laughs> right. you, you really, you know, do you, now and yesterday was a close game, so I get that. But in other situations, maybe he shouldn't go three innings and be down for three days. In this case, you're right. He'll be down today, day off tomorrow. He'll be back up on Tuesday. But, you know, the fact that he can go um, multiple innings is a good thing. It doesn't mean he has to every time because maybe you want to use him in back-to-back situations and stuff like that. We've joked for the last year and a half uh, here on the station, and uh, they've used the sound bite of Cap saying, and you know, obviously it was probably uh, digitally enhanced that Quintana is elite. Um, his last eight starts, he's six and zero, and he's got a three forty ERA. So he's been pretty darn good. And he, since he's gone out there, his last eight games, I mean, they've gotten six wins, have not lost with him out there. Yeah, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. I mean, sometimes it just takes something to, 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 to get it to click for a guy, um, and he goes on a run, and this is what we're seeing here. I mean, I, use whatever words you want. I, I think we know what he is. He's a very good pitcher. He's not a number one. He's not a number five. He's just a very good pitcher with good stuff that has his bad moments, and then he has his great stretches. This is one of his best stretches as a Cub, if not the best. It's a three-pitch thing going, change-up, curveball, fastball, and – it's it's his mentality more than anything because he's had great stuff ever since he's with the White Sox. He's got to be aggressive, and for some reason, this thing has, has has stood the test of time over six seven starts here. Where in the past he's been up and down, up and down, up and down. Not so this 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 time. I, I, you know how long it lasts? Anybody's guess. I have no idea. But the longer it lasts, like Hayward hitting well, the longer it lasts, right. the longer you believe it can last because. Then it starts to be second nature. It clicks in mentally, it clicks in physically, and all of a sudden, you know, he goes from a pretty competent pitcher to a really good one, or whatever the case may be, and and uh, a more reliable one, I guess, is the best way of putting it. So um, it'll be interesting to see tonight the dynamics. Like I said, twenty five hundred seat stadium, foreign, to, you know, foreign field, all that stuff. But you know, it's still you know sixty feet six inches. Got to go out there and, and execute. And I, I mean. I'm going to predict a Cubs series win. I'm doing it, Fred. I'm going okay. out on that limb. And mostly because I predicted a four and six road trip. So if they win the night, 
I'm right. And that's there you all go. that matters. There you, you're right. That is all that matters. Um, <laughs> Cole Hamels is going on a Tuesday in the opener against the Giants. Giants have won six out of seven. They're red hot coming in. They've got guys that are hitting the ball. Brandon Belt broke out of his slump. He drove in six yesterday with a grand slam and other things. Um, they've got two teams coming in, and it, it's like... I don't want to say that it's the playoffs already, but you've got the Giants, then you've got the Nationals, two teams that are battling for top spots. These should be an interesting homestand. You can play the Nats in the wild card game for all we know. Yep. I mean, that's just, you know all this stuff is in play, and I think that the bigger point is um, you. Theo a few months ago said you can't, they can't use their homestands to make up for the road trips. Well, they're going to have to. They better right. <laughs> that's the bottom line. So that that's the key here. They know they, they, you know, the next home set. There's another road trip after you know. There's always another road trip coming, so they better they better gobble up their wins at home. Um, and I suspect they will. I mean, the Giants are still a 500 ish team, um, and the Nats, the Nats will be tough. But the, you're getting the Nats on the road, so uh, I, I suspect they'll have a good home stand. And then they go to the Mets, and then they're back, they're right back home. So after tonight, it should be a little bit of an easier road, you know, no pun intended. Yeah. Because it's 11 of 14 at home, and that's where they dominate. But the one thing is you can't just assume wins. You know, you can't assume we're going home, we're going to win. They haven't done that all year. I don't I don't think, I don't see why they would um, right now. So there's no truth to the rumor that you may actually try to sneak a jersey on and get into one of these games. Oh, there's a truth to the rumor. <laughs> Absolutely. I just want to coach third. I don't care. I don't need to play. I just want to coach. I want to wave around. Uh, a kid home in the, at the Little League World Series. That would be that would be a nice dream that uh, won't ever come true. But it'll be fun to watch today, Mexico versus Japan. You know, I'm sure. I assume Darvish would have interest in this game, watching it here. And next door is, like I said, the Midwest versus Southeast Regional, whatever it's called. So, uh, tons of people here, as you can hear in the background. Just a lot of fun. Looking forward to this, and then driving over to this uh, minor league stadium holds 2,500 to see the Cubs and Pirates in this. Crazy road trip finale. I don't doubt the Cubs are a little, little tired. You know, uh, travel late night, um, coming in today, flying back out tonight. But you know what? You got to gut it through and and get a win. And you know, four and six at least a little bit better on a home on a road trip than they've done in the past. Three and seven sounds a lot worse. You know, one game can make it sound a lot worse. Yeah. Um, not that not that four and six is all that good. Obviously not. It's not. But three and seven just sounds awful. So we'll see what happens. Okay, one last thing. After uh, you threw it back to the broadcast booth yesterday, after you talked to Chris Bryant, did he give you like a little soft, you know, friendly punch? Like, hey, thanks for bringing up the two errors. No, not at all. He understood <laughs> it. I thought he gave. I thought he gave a great story for a walk-off interview. You don't usually get an anecdote, but he mentioned a heckler. Yeah. You know, yelling at him about about the errors, and then he goes in there and hits the home run. So he did not. Look, they won the game. He hit a home run. He doesn't care what I brought up. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was, it was Brault was pitching so well, and he, yeah, he just was. went up to the plate, and he didn't even wait. He just nailed that one. It was nice to see yesterday. Jess, enjoy the day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You got it, Fred. Take care. Jesse Rogers at the Little League World Series during the day, and then, as he said, they will travel travel the five miles over to the stadium for tonight, 2,500 to watch the Cubs and the Pirates. In case you missed the interview I was talking about, Jesse Rogers had a chance to talk to Chris Bryant after the game, after uh, the Cubs got a 2 nothing win yesterday on ABC7. Jesse was there with his ABC7 golf shirt on, and here's what he said. All right, Chris, I would like to ask you how you felt hitting that home run after a couple shaky moments in the field, but I think I know the answer. That had to feel really satisfying for you. 
Yeah, it really was. Um, especially, I mean, right before the pitch, I heard some guy over here talking about, hey, forget about the two errors, and then hit Omer. I mean, moments like that, I mean, they make you feel really good. Obviously, I wish I made those plays, but um, John really picked me up, and um, I owe a lot of credit to him. Yeah, there was a lot of traffic on the base pass. How about your pitchers starting with John Lester, Chatwood, and, of course, Wick here? They really got the job done with a lot of traffic. Yeah, I mean, it. High, you know, high pressure situations. John pitching in them. I'm putting them in those situations, but they're getting us out of it. I mean, that was a huge win for us. For us, we really needed that coming off these last two games, and um, you know, a lot of credit to the bullpen and John. Yeah, a lot of people wondering what have the last couple of days been like for the team. You guys seem to handle it inside the clubhouse pretty well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's not fun losing on two walk offs, but. As much as we, it's baseball. I mean, uh, that's how it goes. There's there's wins, there's losses, there's terrible losses, and um, you know, last two days were terrible losses. Today was a great win, and uh, hopefully, we can build on it. Well, I know tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun. You guys are going to meet the little leaguers, play in Williamsport against these Pirates Sunday night. Now, you told me a story story earlier in the week. Your parents told you if you broke the home run record back in the day when you were 12 years old, you were going to get something. What did you ask for? What'd you end up getting? Yeah, I asked for a drum set. I don't know why. Um, I had no, I was definitely not a drummer, um, you know, but the, the record I think was 18. I hit 19. I ended up getting golf clubs and then I started playing golf and I've loved it since. So, uh, a really cool story for me. And what was your batting average that year? <laughs> I think it was like 720. Of course it was. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks, Jesse. All right, that's Chris Bryan as the Cubs get a win. Back to you, Lennon JD. Al, you see how excited Jesse was when he said, and the Cubs get a win. And uh, they're going to go for two in a row uh, today as they play in Williamsport. A couple other things. Uh, there was a nice article at ESPN talking about this game today. Uh, right-hander Mitch Keller will start for the Pirates against Quintana. Um before the game, and as Jesse said, the major leaguers will sit in the stands and watch the Little League World Series games. The Cubs have arrived. There's actually some uh, clips on Twitter about the Cubs arriving and the Little Leaguers standing outside their plane and uh, high-fiving them and stuff as they walk off the plane. Very, very cool chance for these guys. Uh, the Cubs have three players whose home countries uh, have teams participating in the Little League World Series. Wilson Contreras, who's on the injured list and actually not on the trip, uh, from Venezuela. The others, you Darvish from Japan and Wick from uh, Canada. And as I mentioned, uh, Jesse didn't get much into it. Both teams are going to get a 26th man. Each team gets to call up an extra player for the night due to the unique mid-series travel arrangements. The Cubs have not announced yet who the, it was added to the roster. So I guess they could actually add Kimbrel to the roster tonight and not even uh, have to take anybody off. Technically, the Pirates are playing down a man because Ozuna is on a five-game suspension. They can't replace a guy there. And the uniforms are going to be different. The Cubs are going to have... Oh, Cub fans, you've waited for it for years. It's going to say Cubbies across the front. Um... The Cubs will wear the Cubbies across the chest. Nicknames, the same ones that they will be using later on this month for the Players Weekend. They will be on the back. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Castellanos has been hitting well. Uh, but yeah, it should be an interesting game. And the cheers are going to be a lot higher pitched uh, than they are for most games because you figure with all the young kids, all the Little Leaguers and their families, and uh, just listening to a Little League baseball game on TV, you can tell the high pitch of the cheers for the game. So it's going to be that way throughout the course of the evening. The White Sox, you can't forget about the White Sox. They were in 
Anaheim. They have one more game today as they wrap up their series. Dylan Cease against Griffin Canning. Never heard of him. Don't know who he is. Uh, pitching for the Angels. The Sox lose last night 6-5, to five, a four-run seventh inning. Evan Marshall was brutal yesterday for the White Sox. There was a time earlier this season where he had a stretch where 13, 14 appearances, 15, whatever it was. Last night, one-third of an inning, one hit, three walks, two runs, put the game out of reach. He came in, he threw four straight balls, four straight change-ups, it looked like, to David Fletcher and walks him to bring up Mike Trout. And I'm sitting there going, okay, Mike Trout's on deck. Let David Fletcher hit the damn ball. What's he going to do? Fletcher walks. First pitch to Trout, rips it down the third baseman's head, two-run score. Uh, another ball, next batter, shot right past Ryan Goins, an error. Another run, two-run score, four-run seventh inning. Sox lose 6-5. to five. They did have at least one highlight late yesterday. Eloy makes contact, center field, and gone! There's that power to center field again. Another missile. This a two-run shot, and it's five to one. Man, oh man, that ball is down and away. That is the thing that that this this new breed of hitter. You are not supposed to be able to hit a ball at shins over the outside corner, 425 feet the other way. My goodness. That was the voice of uh, Michael Schur. He joined Jason Benetti in the booth last night. It was really fun to listen to. He is the uh, TV producer, writer, actor from The Office, Parks and Rec, also uh, from The Good Place. Uh, did some really good stuff. It was fun to listen last night, him and Benetti going back and forth with baseball. Um, so much more interesting than I can imagine the Bill Walton one was, but Will Bill Walton is a name and everybody was all excited about it except for me. So I'm sure we'll even talk more about it. I'm here with Carmen tomorrow and, uh, we'll talk. I'm sure that'll be the talk about the uh, Bill Walton game from Friday. The White Sox actually won that game with James McCann hitting another grand slam. He's got to be two grand slams in a week, Eric. Don't you think American League player of the week? It's definitely it's right there. Eight there. RBIs in two games. It's, yeah, yeah. A lot of guys hitting homers though. And we'll play some of those. When we come back. It's Fred Hubner with you till the top of the hour. Fire fans, don't forget about eleven forty-five. We got some fire stuff for you. Big win last night. We're talking about it here on ESPN. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Here's what's happening. This is a huge week for the Colts and quarterback Andrew Luck. Luck did some work on the field before yesterday's preseason game, including having him go side to side before attempting a pass. He's had a difficult time with side to side movement due to a pain in his left ankle. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano. Colts coach Frank Reich has said he would like to know by the end of this week whether he has a chance to count on Luck for week one. So it won't be until Luck gets out there on the practice field with his teammates that his teammates, his coaches, and all these fans will find out whether he has a chance to play in the open. Our Dan Graziano, Luck's been out with ankle and calf injuries. According to Raiders coach John Gruden, Receiver Antonio Brown could be a full participant in practice soon. Brown took all the reps in yesterday's walkthrough. Brown, as you may have heard, stayed away from the team for about two weeks due to frostbitten feet and a helmet grievance against the NFL. Baseball, after missing time with knee inflammation, Yankees left-hander CeCe Sabathia has been activated from the injured list, so he'll start today's matinee versus the Indians. Cubs set to welcome back closer Craig Kimbrell today. He's expected to be activated after spending time on the I.O. with knee inflammation. Cubs and Pirates face off in Little League 
Classic on Sunday Night Baseball, 6 Eastern ESPN Radio in the ESPN app, 7 Eastern on ESPN TV. Chicago is tied with St. Louis atop the NL Central. Golf Justin Thomas has a six-stroke lead at the BMW Championship. With a win today, he'll have the FedEx Cup lead going into next week's Tour Championship. The hunt for October continues. The Cubs continue their push toward the NL Central title when they face the Pirates. Coverage begins today at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. Presented by Indeed. This is Chicago's Game Day. Only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And the ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Uh, Welcome on in. Tons of baseball going on. We always talk Sox and Cubs here. But also wanted to get into some of the other things going on in Major League Baseball and um, some interesting stuff last night and heck, almost into the morning as um, some interesting things around the Cubs division, the Sox division, and just them damn Yankees. I hate talking about the Yankees. I'm not a big fan of the Yankees. Never have been. As a White Sox fan, uh, my dad would say, I got tickets for the Sox Yankees. Come on. They never beat the Yankees. And that was way back when. You know, I just missed Mickey Mantle age. Uh, so it was all the other guys. And it's like, come on. Can we see somebody else? He goes, fine, I'll take you to the game. Burt Blylevin's pitching for the Twins. No, I don't want to go to that either. He always beats the White Sox. But anyway, there's a lot of good stuff happening in baseball. And the Cubs had a chance to witness this because this guy hit not one, not two, but three homers against him recently. He plays for Cincinnati. His games are called by Tom Brenneman. All right, here's Aquino. He's lined to short and popped up to third. High drive. Straight away center field. This is just, it's beyond unbelievable because it's never happened in the history of Major League Baseball, ever. Every player in the history of the game, no one has done what this guy is doing. Man, is this beautiful to watch, unless you're on the mound. (laughs) 11 of them now in his first 17 games, that's another record. Like he said, Tom Brenneman says, Aquino, 11 homers in 17 games. It's never been done before. Uh, and also, there was an announcer who does uh, soccer, Arlo White. And in, a, in an interview, he said the one word he never uses for a broadcast is unbelievable. Because if it just happened, it's believable. So almost anything that can happen is believable. So he never uses the word unbelievable in a broadcast. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just I thought about it as Tom used it because what Aquino has been doing is pretty unbelievable. 11 homers, 17 games. Reds beat the Cardinals, help out the Cubs, a final of 6-1. to one. This guy was supposed to be helping the Cubs, but they wanted Chapman instead. That one's drilled to right center field. See ya. Back-to-back as Torres goes yard. It's 4-2 Yankees. Well, Michael, you still got it. I was waiting for a couple of home runs. I paid for the couple C. It took Mariano in the booth. I stay here. I ain't going nowhere, man. <laughs> Labor Torres has had quite a homestand against the Orioles and now another one here against the Indians. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. 
the left field bleachers for Glaber Torres. It's 6-4 Yanks. Michael, that had a little more umph on it. You, you get, get back. I'll tell you one thing. Glaber might be wearing these at night now. Give me night vision. No doubt about this one. The two-home run game for Glaber Torres. Yeah, and the reason they were making comments, uh, that was Michael Kay, who's just returned back after uh, some throat problems to the Yankee broadcast. He was able to call Gleyber Torres with two home runs as the Yankees beat the Indians a final of 6-5. to five. It was a wild game in uh, Washington, in D.C. It went 14 innings. The result was the Brewers knocking off the Nationals 15-14. to 14. There were 38 hits in the game, and Christian Yelich has been struggling. Not yesterday so much. And the 2-2. Yelich puts it in play. Base hit in the right field. So Yelich on board with two down. Ground ball. Base hit right field. And the Brewers will grab the lead. One run is in. Two runs are now in for Milwaukee. It's 2 to nothing. Brewers on the two RBI single from Christian Yelich. And this one into left field is going to drop in for a base hit. Another hit for Christian Yelich as he starts to swing a good bat. His third hit of the night. Doolittle to stretch and pitch. High fly left. Drifting back. Soto at the warning track. At the wall. It's gone. Christian Yelich, number 40. And there it goes. Right field. Christian Yelich. Gone. And the Brewers are out in front. Yelich with his 40. And now the score, 13 to 12, Milwaukee, here in the lucky 13. Yeah, it was lucky until the Nationals scored in the bottom of the inning. Then the Brewers scored two in the 14th. Nationals with just one. And Milwaukee comes away a winner, a final of 15 to 14. That one in 14 innings. What could be more boring than the Rays and the Detroit Tigers? Not only those two playing, but going into the 13th scoreless. To the count, two on, two outs. And a shot toward right center field. That ball is going to be in there. The Rays are going to walk out. Also comes through, and Sogard scores on the Rays. One and one, nothing in 13. In 13 innings, one nothing Rays, one six and zero for the Rays, oh three and zero for the Tigers. Poche is going to get the win. He's three and four. Paul the loser, zero and one, and the Rays had gone a long time, 29 innings without a run before Mike Rosso. pinch hitting, drives in Eric Sogard. 29 innings without a run, <laughs> and. The Tigers went 13 innings with only three hits. Oh, my God. I was complaining about the Cubs game yesterday with only eight combined hits. They had 12 combined hits <laughs> in 13 innings. That's some bad, bad baseball. Dwayne Stats on the call, former Cub guy. And this guy's coming to town, and he's starting to get hot. He's Brandon Belt for the Giants. That ball is hit high and deep. Right field. Way back there. It's a grand slam for Brandon Belt. That has to feel so good. He has struggled for so long and has shown signs of coming out of it in this series. And now, grand salami time.
John Miller on the call. Brandon Belt drove in six. He had a couple RBIs later after that uh, grand slam. And San Francisco getting an 11-6 to win. Quickly, look at the standings. Uh, Yankees in the east, a 10-and-a-half game lead over the Rays. Twins up now two-and-a-half on the Indians after that got really close. And now the Astros, a six-and-a-half game lead over the Athletics. Athletics have won four in a row, and they've taken a couple from the Astros this week. The uh, National League, Braves up by five and a half on the Nationals. Phillies are eight back, Mets nine back. We'll talk about the wild card in a second. Cubs, just a percentage point behind the Cardinals in the NL Central. Brewers are a game back of those two. And the Dodgers just coasting 18 and a half ahead of the Giants. The wild card, the Indians and the Rays are the wild card teams in the American League with the A's a half game back. Boston six and a half back in the National League. The Nationals and Cubs right now would be the wild card teams. The Brewers and Phillies one game back. Mets two back. Giants who come to Wrigley Field this week just two and a half games back. A quick look at Major League Baseball. We come back. A quick look at what happened last night at SeatGeek Stadium. A big win for the Chicago Fire. We're talking about it here on ESPN One Thousand. See Chicago's Game Day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Huebner with you. We've talked baseball. Very little football because there's really, let's be honest, until the season starts, there's nothing to talk about. We try to sell it off to you, but eh, eh. fantasy, that's interesting because... Believe it or not, there, I mean, almost everybody that's in the fantasy football league, they're going to start drafting in the next week or two. And less than a week now from the ESPN Fantasy Football Championship at 115 Bourbon Street, we'll be giving away tickets throughout the week. You can get your tickets by going to the ESPN Facebook page, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you can get them out out there. 115 Bourbon Street, all the guys at the station will be there. Uh, Jeff Meller will be doing a little bit of a show from there, I think. Uh, before, uh, Murph and me on, uh, next Saturday, um, because I know Murph and I start next week at 10 o'clock on Saturday instead of our usual 9 o'clock. So we will be here in the station. But, uh, yeah, the 115 Bourbon Street, the ESPN Fantasy Football Convention. So check that out. But there's stuff that, there's other football to talk about. And I'm not talking about Chelsea and Lester. They're on TV right now. I'm talking about the Chicago Fire. The Fire are trying to make the playoffs. It's not going to be easy. They had been struggling most of the season and been underachieving, not scoring enough goals. Last night, big matchup as they took on the Philadelphia Union. The Union under former Chicago Fire defender Jim Curtin, just one of the many former Fire players coaching in Major League Soccer. Uh, Philadelphia on top of the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Fire trying to get into the playoffs, and last night they had an early chance to get on the board. Nemanja Nikolic scampers into the area. C.J. Sapong just wide of the goal. What a good-looking try here in the eighth minute. Uh, Dan Kelly on the call from ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Nemanja Nikolic out there looking to get some goals. He had scored in uh, three straight games and then make it four. Johan Kapelhoff. A little exchange there with Frankowski. Kapelhoff. Frankowski, that cross deflecting Nemanja Nikolic, the final touch. He scored in four straight, and the fire score first. 
And Kelly with the call. Nemanja Nikolic with a really nice goal in the Chicago Fire taking a one nothing lead last night over Philadelphia. And then it was getting late in the first half. And there's a corner kick. And what happens? Philadelphia's defender takes down C.J. Sapong. You can't do that. It is a penalty kick, and Nikolic steps up to the spot. Nemanja Nikolic to make it 2-0 here late in the first half. Nikolic dents the net. It's 2-0 Chicago Fire. Yes, it was. Nemanja Nikolic with a pair of goals to fire a 2-0 lead just a minute away from the half. What could possibly go wrong? Until Nico Gaetan gets this. Montero, Philadelphia looking to break. Gaetan. Red card shown to Nico Gaetan. For the second straight game, the Chicago Fire going down a man. Yes, Alexander Katai got a red card in the last game, so he couldn't play last night. Now Nico Gaetan, their tremendous midfielder. With a red card just before the end of the first half. So the Fire had a 2-0 lead going to the second half. But they were going to be down a man. And guess what? It worked out. The Chicago Fire hang on. They get the 2-0 win over the Philadelphia Union. A desperate team. Desperate team. Desperate measures. They come out and get the victory for the Fire. That is their third win in their last four games. And Velko Panovic said it was an important one. Today we kept the... Uh, clean sheet after the, the red card and that spirit is something that is bringing the team uh, important wins and points and um, and I think uh, we stay we have to stay humble we have to keep uh, doing what we were doing so far believing and uh, keep growing the spirit the spirit of that locker room now is starting to to really really uh, believe in in a, in a comeback that we we are chasing right now and so, you know, the chances are even now. So we're going to keep working hard and and grind uh, the points we need to get to the playoffs. Okay, that's all well and good. But I have a problem. And I've been following the fire since the team started in 1998. Why are they just starting to figure it out now? There are six games to go in the regular season. You play a 34-game schedule. They've won three of their last four. The wins had to start earlier. Now they are struggling. They have uh, the other teams above them in the playoff push have games in hand. It's not going to be easy, especially with four of the six games on the road for the Chicago Fire. The Fire's record on the road, you ready for this? If you're not a soccer fan, you're just going to say, man, that's awful. If you are a soccer fan, you're going to say worse. They're one win, nine losses, and three draws on the road. And now they have four of their remaining six games on the road. They're at New England next week, the week after at Columbus. Then on September 21st at FC Cincinnati, the new expansion team. And they wrap up the season October 6th at Orlando. It's very difficult. Only two home games remaining September 14th against FC Dallas. That will not be easy. And then Toronto FC comes to town on September 29th at SeatGeek Stadium. So it's just six games remaining for the Chicago Fire. The one bright spot, or one of the many bright spots, is Nemanja Nikolic. I mentioned he has scored goals in four straight games. His fifth goal in four games. He has now hit 50 goals with the Chicago Fire since coming over to play for them. Sometimes you have periods when everything going in. Sometimes you you have period when uh, you can feel you, you feel that uh, nothing want to 
to go inside the net and uh, in that case you just need to to do two things um, when the ball don't want to go to the net you just need to believe in yourself I say too many times these kind of things uh, if you don't believe in yourself you cannot expect from coach from your teammates from supporters to believe in you uh, you just need to work hard and uh, to wait the um, uh, the situation and the reaction when when the ball come and when you will have opportunities to score again so um, now in this in these kind of moments everything uh, everything came on normal I, I knew that uh, that I will start again to, to score goals it was just a question of, of time it was a question of time he is now scoring goals and I love his line when he said when the ball don't want to go into the net and that's what happens when you're a striker you're a forward in a soccer any kind of soccer sometimes it just doesn't go in there is times where your your striker your forward cannot do anything for 89 minutes, but then he scores that big goal in the 90th minute for the Fire. Nemanja Nikolic, two goals yesterday, his five goals in four games. The Fire now looking for that playoff spot. We'll see if they, what they can do next week as they travel to New England. Well, the Cubs are in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The White Sox are in Anaheim, and we'll see how things work out. I'll be with uh, Carmen tomorrow. Uh, noon to two. Don't forget Cap and Company. Oh, the Cubs need to win, otherwise Cap's going to go off again. If they come home in with a three and seven road trip, he's going to go crazy. So be here tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. You don't want to miss that. Thanks, Eric Ostrowski, for jumping on in. All of his help as always, and also Jesse Rogers from Williamsport. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, Freddie Hubner with you on ESPN One Thousand.